ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas from the Rem and Sam podcast. The holiday special, it is going to have to be a solo holiday special. Our guy Sam is traveling for the holidays this weekend. And he texted me and said he wanted to go to Boston to see the Celtics play on Christmas. You know, as, as you guys know, he's a secret, uh, a closeted Celtics fan. Tatum, obviously he's not a closeted Tatum guy. Tatum is his number one guy. He's playing LeBron. It's on Christmas. It's like a gift to himself. So best of luck. And hopefully he realizes in time that that game is being played in Los Angeles. It's a home game for the Lakers. It'll be in Staples Center. And he already lives out in Cali. So hopefully he can jump back on a plane in time to see the game and save travels to our guy, Sam. But we still have a good solo show for you today. IT, we, we couldn't, we, we're not going to let IT go early. Sam, obviously, he can, uh, his name's on the show. He can do what he wants. But IT, they've got to pull through on a holiday weekend. So shout out to IT for hanging in there. But we were going to do this last week. We got a little, little NBA. We're going to do the picks as well, too. Sam, me and him, we, got, we did the picks draft already. So we know what the NFL picks are going to be for, I can't even say Sunday at this point, for the weekend. It's Saturday. It's Sunday. It's all day Monday. So the picks for the NFL weekend. And we're going to do some NBA as well, too. And this was something that we were going to do last week, but... Draymond punched Nurkic, a bunch of other crazy stuff happened. So we ended up getting sidetracked. But last week was, at least for the Spurs and obviously for the rest of the league, as it was last week at this point. But last week was the 25-game mark for the NBA season. So we were going to do the top 25 players through 25 games. It seemed perfect. But like we said, we got distracted. It happens when you're having a good time. Do we need to pause? I don't know. You, you, we never want to overuse the pause. Overuse the pause, but we're gonna we we were able to hold it off for this week, and we're going to do the list. And I gotta say, doing the list for the top players for the NBA this season compared to doing it last season, because I think we did do the top twenty-five through twenty-five as well last year. So I guess second annual on the Rem and Sam pod, but doing the top 25 last year, and I should have pulled that up, but it, it seemed like in the, the list was stacked. Obviously the, the league is insanely talented, but the list was stacked in a way where, you know, there was definitely a bunch of guys missing and the league didn't have the rules that it has now and the things that it have implemented to get the players participation. And this year, I mean, outside of a couple of suspensions, basically every star player has played that I can think of. I mean, off the top of my head, there hasn't been like a major injury. I, obviously, you know, John Morant just returned. He missed the first 25 games. Draymond Green is now missing time. But nobody really from all NBA has missed a huge chunk of time. You know, Murray's been in and out as well. You got Booker, missed some time. But Again, most of Lamelo, uh, you know, there, there, there are some guys, but the big, the big name, big star, peak of their powers, guys. Right now, it seems like a majority of the league, for one, is you know, I don't, I don't even know if we want to say it, but the league has been healthy, and everybody, nobody's really gotten hurt. We, we, you didn't hear that from me, but 
the other thing that has happened, obviously, and, you know, Sam was on here, I think it was last week when we were getting sidetracked, but, you know, especially after the in-season tournament, Adam Silver was really getting love, really getting his props. But this is just another thing. And all of the off-season stuff that the NBA implemented, it did, you know, long-term, we'll see, I guess, you know, will it work? But the year one results have definitely been a success. And I would say, you know, best case scenario for what ha- what could possibly have happened. Again, I know that, that that could be strong, but even just looking at the in-season tournament, and I know, you know, the league could have had Giannis versus LeBron. Maybe that is ultimately best case scenario. But just in general, having like one of your marquee players, if not the, you know, absolute marquee player in the league right now, in terms of name, in terms of this century, you know, LeBron being able to win. And then again, just to this be the off season to say, Hey, we're going to crack down and get these players to finally participate. We understand that, you know, there, there is, there is a back back in the day when the Spurs are doing it and just one or two teams are doing it. Maybe you're able to get away with it a little bit more, but it's one of those things, you know, everybody can't be resting their guys all the time. So the league finally had to step in and say something. And, you know, in the GM survey to start to, to start the season that NBA.com does every year, one of the questions in that was, which was going to be the biggest rule change? And the results from that was the part- player participation was actually number one, the tax apron restrictions number two, in-season tournament number three. And then you also have that, that 65-game award rule that was implemented as well, too. And maybe... Again, with the health thing right now, it seems like everybody's on a good pace. And you got a guy like maybe John Morant is the guy that gets hurt from from that the most, having to miss the chunk of games that he did. But, you know, regardless of the order, again, all of these things have really been a success. The in-season tournament, again, was great. The player participation this year has been really strong. And the tax apron restrictions, the, the teams that, have really, really spent the big money. You know, like the, the Warriors are in a, in a tough spot. And Phoenix, Phoenix, I think, can still, you know, they're still in a play-in right now. If they get in the playoffs, who knows? But Phoenix is in a bit of a slide. The The Clippers have definitely been playing, again, been playing a lot better lately. And again, we're going to get into the list. But just in general, everybody's been showing up. The league has been strong, and I think what the league has wanted to happen with all of these rule changes has definitely seemed to be playing out here early in the season. And again, you know, with with something like player participation policy, if it is a season where unfortunate things are happening, guys are going down, then a rule change like that maybe is not going to be as dramatic. But everybody's been playing, and again, guys have been missing time, like with the Lakers when they were in San Antonio playing the Spurs and the Spurs had their little two game matchup with them. And I don't think that was exactly back to back, but they definitely played two games very close. And LeBron set out one game, Davis set out the other game, but maybe last year or two years ago, they both sit out one game. Both of them are out for both of the games. At least you're guaranteed one star player. At least there is, you know, all of these guys are still being able to put up numbers. They're getting the game. They're getting the games played logged. And 
I don't even know if you could call, would you call the player participation thing, but just the Kawhi Leonard rule. And he seems to be the one guy in the league that you can count on the most to be out there night to night. He's been one of the most consistent in the league so far. So again, outside of a couple of players, most of the peak of the power guys, again, I don't think anybody from all NBA team has really gone down in a major way this season. But since we were going to do the top 25 players through 25 games last week, obviously, you know, a week has gone by. There's been a couple of more games added. So we can't really do the top 25 through 25 games at this point. But the Spurs play their 28th game of the season tomorrow when we're recording this. So I guess today, if you guys are listening to it, when it drops on Saturday. So, you know, the NBA schedule is the Spurs schedule, I think. And since the Spurs are playing their 28th game, I think it's only fair to add a couple of guys onto the list. So we're going to do the top 28 players through 28 games. And again, we're recording this Friday night. So if you're listening to it Saturday, if anything crazy happens in the games or if any player goes on crazy tear over the weekend, if something happens on Christmas before we're able to record again, you know, if something really dramatic happens, don't blame us. But this is the list of guys as it stands right now, top 28 players through 28 games. And number one, Ben Simmons. No, not Ben Simmons. Can Ben Simmons get the 28 games on the season? We'll see. Number one, I don't think there's any controversy. There's some guys that are playing just out of their minds right now. Some guys that are on some really insane hot streaks, but this is not the Kia MVP ladder. This is not some crazy statistical mes- metric. This is just best players in the league right now. And n- number one, I mean, it's it's still Jokic. I know a couple of weeks ago it was like the worst week of his career, at least this you know half decade terror that he's been on. The field goal percentage dipped a little bit. He had a couple of bad shooting games. He had the game against, was it the Bulls where he got ejected? But he's nearly averaging a triple-double. And when the Nuggets are still fully healthy, I think their top five is still the best in the league. But in the West standings right now, they are down, I think, a little bit farther than you would want them to be. And, you know, the teams above them, like Minnesota, OKC, we'll get to those teams. They're, they're, they're having amazing seasons and amazing regular seasons. They could be, you know, just very good regular season teams in general and threats in the, the playoffs. We'll see. But I think the, the Denver starting five to me is still the that that Denver five is still the best five in the league. It's still the most terrifying, the most reliable when they, you know, offense, defense, the two way thing. The, the, the Gordon piece for them is underrated as well, again, from the defensive aspect. But for the regular season, 82 games, the grind, having Bruce Brown is a big deal. And in the playoffs, when you can shorten the rotations a little bit, go down to six or seven, maybe the the importance of those five guys and Jokic, and it all kind of works out. But for a regular season, not having that bench guy, that experienced guy is, I think, a big deal. They're really relying on a lot of rookies and young players right now. And just, you know, guys that in general don't really know what they're, you know, where their spots on the courts probably even are at this point, and let alone how to get to them, 
how to navigate everybody else's spots particularly properly. There's just there's not a lot of veterans in the second year. I mean, you get Reggie Jackson playing some minutes in there, but a lot of Peyton Watson, a lot of Christian Braun, Struthers definitely seen a ton of regular season minutes at this point. And to be honest, I'm I'm not against it at all. Too I I like all of those guys. There's a lot of upside there. You have Peyton Watson defensively, his length pause. He can do a, 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 lot, a lot of nice things. Brother, we were a big fan of in the draft. But that doesn't mean it's not going to take a little bit of time to develop. It's not going to mean that there's going to be moments in the regular season where, you know, if Jokic is having an, an off night, maybe you're going to drop a game or two. And the fact that Jokic even had a couple of off nights a, week, a couple of weeks ago was just it, like crazy to see. Crazy to see him just miss shots because it, you know, and it's not even like the teams were necessarily playing amazing defenses on him in general. He just was missing a bunch of threes, kind of getting in his own head. You could see him get frustrated in a couple of those games, but I think in a, in a, in a playoff series, seven games at this point to me, they're still fine. And maybe we'll get to another guy on the, the nuggets team on this list in a second, but you know, the thing about them in the playoffs last year as well was they didn't just like win the finals. They like dominated everybody and got to the finals. So if the, if, if the margins are a little bit closer this year and Jokic is still the best player in the league and we get to the playoffs and he's still able to pull it out. But if it, if it's this time, it's like a couple of six or seven game series in there instead of, Hey, we beat everybody in four. You know, if the if the Lakers, if the Lakers are whatever the Lakers version of, you know, whatever, if the second best team in the West is able to take them to six or seven in like the Western Conference Finals, it, is that shocking? And is is are we are we in panic mode again? Or whoa, or do we need to start having like real questions about Denver if just the margins have gotten a little bit closer? And you know, that that may be definitely a little uncomfortable. For Nuggets fans, but again, in a playoff series, I still trust their five. Trust Jokic, trust Murray, trust Gordon. You know, I guess we we trust Porter Jr. as well, too. He has the final experience. But again, with Bruce Brown, Porter, like with Bruce Brown and Porter especially, Bruce Brown was a guy that if Porter was missing shots or teams were exploiting him defensively, they could put Bruce Brown in and play legitimate final five minutes. And he was a big piece of their finals run. So they're adjusting to not having him. And we, you know, w- with the rookies, it's going to take time to develop a guy and see, you know, who really emerges. It, you know, Christian Braun right now with the stuff that he was doing last season definitely has the fast track to that. But if Peyton Watson, again, with the develop, if Peyton Watson just takes a big leap at some point in the season, defensively, he can do a bunch of stuff. Strother catches fire. The, the, if they're playing the guys, they can have options to go to. And with the four guys, at least, you know, I keep saying five, but, you know, Reggie Jackson, you know, KCP, I get uh, KCP. Yeah, we got to mention uh, KCP as well, too, with uh, Porter Jr., Murray Gordon, and Jokic. So they are fine. They're still the most terrifying team in the league. To me, if that's a way to do the power ranking, Jokic is still, in my mind, the best player in the league. But, I mean, the the, the couple of guys right behind him are just playing absolutely out of their mind. You could argue the best in their careers for them. And all of these guys right now, obviously, MVPs. Number two, and this is not the not the Kia MVP ladder. If Kia wants to sponsor the segment and wants us to do this differently, 
then we can do it differently. But we're going with Giannis at number two. So, you know, if Giannis is number two, I think that's it's probably safe to assume that Embiid is going to be number three. I don't think I'm spoiling that for anybody. I think, you know, with the way he's been playing, maybe some people, again, MVP ladder, could you argue him number one? But the reason that I would have Jokic, Giannis, Embiid still one, two, three right now is because of the past history of these guys. And this season, they're probably all playing the best basketball of their career. That's including Jokic with the couple of down games that he had. Maybe Jokic in the playoffs last year was a step up. But again, you know, that's guys making finals runs. But Jokic in the regular season anyway is having the best regular season that he's ever had. And same with Giannis and same with Embiid. So the really only separating factor between these guys at this point is, you know, Jokic has his MVP. Giannis has his MVP. You know, they both have two. If Embiid gets his this year, another one this year, he'll have two. The only separating factor between these guys right now is Jokic has the finals MVP and Giannis has the finals MVP. And Embiid has his playoff resume. And that's, you know, these guys are all having phenomenal seasons. And that's not to say that if Embiid just, just keeps up these insane numbers that he couldn't jump up to one or two on this list, maybe passing Jokic. And even as still, as I say it, even passing Giannis would be insane. It just, these guys are definitely regular season and, you know, slash playoffs, especially with Jokic and Giannis, the top three performers in the league night to night. Giannis, the last 20 games, 33 points a game, almost 12 rebounds, six assists, and 62.7% from the field. And Milwaukee was up and down a little bit to start the season. There was definitely some questions. And I still think even with the win streak that they've been on, or, you know, not even just win streak, but just the stretch that they've been on, the winning stretch that they have been on. Some of the off-court stuff and some of the antics, Giannis, obviously, with the game ball, Harry's Halliburton, it's been head-scratching, but it's kind of overshadowed the fact that uh, on court, again, Giannis is maybe having one of the best regular season. Well, maybe having one of the best regular season. He's maybe having the best regular season that he's put together. And we'll, we'll get to Dame in a little bit, but if this team is going to win the finals this year, he's going to have to like, quote unquote, carry this team even more than he did that 2020 team. It's it, it's looking like because they had three guys on that 2020 team and Middleton is definitely playing a little bit better. I think the last six or seven games, he's like 49, 40, 90 from the field. But could he be a legit or like, you know, he was an all-star guy who was, on the right night, like a 25 point of game score, maybe like a 22, 23, but on a good night, 25, 30 points, efficient. And maybe, you know, in terms of shot making as well, too, is a guy that can get his own shot, end of shot clock, going toe to toe. And they have Dame for that, obviously, but they again had three guys with Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton. And the Dame for Holiday thing, Maybe that individual move was honestly better deal than I thought it was in the moment. But they did lose a rotation guy that has mattered. And Middleton just being not 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what the percentage he would need to be for it to be like, okay, now we're back to a three again, but him not, and then just in general, not having a third guy has, I mean, you can definitely see it in the regular season, but I mean, Giannis is, Giannis is like playing, playing as a, a good enough as that extra guy, 33 points a game, 12 rebounds. So we still have him at number two, but the Embiid thing right now, he is up to 35 points a game, 11.8 rebounds. So same as Giannis and right on almost that six assist mark as well. 5.9 assists for him. He's been basically over six the entire season. And Jokic has been, you know, kind of the advanced stats guy the last couple of years. He's dominated, just been number one in all those categories. But Embiid is not just like leading some of the advanced stats. Like the PER right now, he's number one in the league. And for a while, he was like, you know, a point and a half, two points better than everybody else. He is number one in the league in win shares per 48 as well. And the Sixers as a team, number one in net rating. So maybe best player, best regular season team. Again, you could say we could just move and beat up to number one. If he's able to stay above that six assist mark, which again, he did drop a little bit below, but if he's able to do that, he would be the only center in NBA history in the 30 point a game, six assist club. It's been done by 13 guys. And, you know, like Oscar Robinson did it six times. So you got Harden did it three. MJ did it three. Curry has done it. Wade's done it. So it's been done, but been done by guards and been done by high usage guards. And Embiid would be the first seven footer, not the first, I guess, seven footer to cross the sixth assist mark, but to do it with the 30 point a game scoring as well. And Jokic could be that 30 point a game guy in the regular season if he wanted to. We all know that. And I think uh, Wilt might have had a couple of seasons in there as well, too. But the scoring thing has been the thing that has just seemed to level up for him every year. And it's like, don't, don't let that take away from the fact that he is getting better as a playmaker as well, too. And you could see it in the playoffs a little bit or, you know, in the, in the regular season last year. And it definitely has leveled up this season. You know, having... I think a, a team that's playing better around him as well, too, has helped get the assists up. But again, to be a center, to be a center doing the playmaking that he's doing is kind of only like Jokic in some wilt. And the scoring that he's doing as well right now, too, the guys to do 33 points a game in back-to-back seasons, there's only been three guys ever to do that. And it was James Harden in 19 and the 20 seasons. He's the most recent guy. Jordan did it in 87 and 88. And then he did it again in, I think, 80. He did it in the 90 season as well, too. So he like missed one season, did it three out of four. And then Wilt did it. Wilt did it like six years in a row. Of course, the original, the, the, the initial Wilt run in the NBA is one of the most statistically dominant things we've seen. Shout out to Elgin Baylor. Technically, he did it as well, too, but only played 48 games in 62. Did it from 1960 to 1963. So really only three guys. He would be the fourth if he's able to keep up this insane production. And the the Gobert game where he just drops 50 on Gobert, who, you know, obviously Gobert 
he's his his questions have been well, like his questions are well established at this point, regular season and playoffs. But defensively, he's still on pace again to be like defensive player of the year. Defensive metrics still say he's one of the number one defenders in the league. So to end, you know, to, you go, oh, a 35 on a Gobert is impressive. He hangs 50 on him. He, I mean, but he's been doing that on everybody as well, too. And in that game, the Philly broadcast had a couple of really interesting stats about his performance lately. Well, they said, okay, so, so one, they said he's the first player since Kareem in 72 with 30 points and 12 rebounds in 12 straight games. Wilt's the only other person to have done that, but the first to Kareem, I guess, was the last person to do it in 72. Kareem's streak was 16 games, ultimately, as well. And Embiid was, is the first player in NBA history to have 40 points a game and shoot 60-plus percent from the field in eight straight games. Three guys have done it in seven. 82, Moses Malone, 89, Michael Jordan, and 2,000, Shaq. But Embiid was the first to do it in eight. And they're playing the the Raptors right now in halftime. They've been, it's a, it's a close matchup here. We'll check the Embiid stats and see how he's doing. We've been keeping an eye on this one. He's at 11 points, three rebounds in 18 minutes, four for eight from the field, only three free throw attempts. So if he, if he goes off in the second half, do we need to throw a pause in there? If he goes off in the second half, Maybe he gets to the line a little bit more. Maybe we see him keep that streak alive. But the streak is in danger. Regardless, he made history. And I think uh, I think that last stat was via the Remen Sam search department. But the 30 points, 12 rebounds via the, the Philly broadcast. We got to give credit where credit is due. But I mean, just these these three guys doing what they've done for this run now in the regular season is about as you know, and you know, this is again, we're young guys here. This is the this is the peak of players that this you know, this is the generation of guys that we've seen. But these numbers I just are gonna go down in history as some of the best regular seasons that individual players have put up, regardless of the era. And to go, you know, Jokic back to back, Giannis back to back, and then potentially Embiid back to back MVPs. I think I think it's honestly deserving for all of those guys. And We'll see with the playoff thing for Embiid this year because the thing with the Sixers is there's really no drama. And even pre-Harden, again, like Simmons was there, there was really like never a drama-free season because even before Simmons, the drama was Embiid, is he going to play? Is he going to stay healthy? People have always been questioning, you know, can he stay in shape? Then it's the fits with, then it's the fit with Simmons. And then there's questions about, oh, they choose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. The whole Jimmy Butler saga, Jimmy Butler's gone. Ben Simmons, you know, continues to linger over the whole thing. They trade for Harden. Harden's there. There's drama. So outside of like the half a season with Harden where it was good and he was kind of committed to playing that point guard role and they were, you know, they were like the best team in the league in that stretch. So maybe Embiid in a drama-free season, good mindset, healthy team around him, new coach and a co-star that I'm sure we'll mention in a little bit. Maybe this is the year where we get the Embiid playoff run because I don't, I don't even know if he needs to win the finals this year. That's, that's the thing with Embiid because 
the Sixers' expectations were lower going into the season, and I know they're going to be a contending team in the East, and maybe maybe it is just winning the East for them. But if he's off, off like awesome in the conference finals and six seven game series, playing the best he can, if they're playing the Celtics and the Celtics are just better, and it is what it is. I think we would all understand that. So if we just, it's like, can we just see good Embiid in the playoffs? Good, healthy, drama-free 76ers. I think it'll be beneficial for him. Is really, you know, his legacy too, especially if he's able to you know, secure this second MVP. Because if, if he makes a run, then he is right on pace with these guys. Historically, he's done what they've done. I know Jokic, the numbers are offensively one thing, but, you know, he is that one piece away from being resume wise right on pace with these other three guys so i think through 28 games and the the the, the, the this list is stacked we're going to get to some of these guys this is crazy like the, the talent in the league right now but these three guys still i think stand above the rest jokic Giannis, and bead one two three just to update you guys on the games in the background like we said uh, Sixers Raptors went to halftime. So we've switched over to Nuggets Nets in Brooklyn and the Nuggets are in a tight one. Pause. It's a two point game right now. Brooklyn has the lead. Mikel Bridges spin move in the post, making a four point lead for the Brooklyn Nets. That was after Jokic in the post on the other end got two. We'll see if they're able to match the score with this one. I mean, you'll know the result by the time you're listening to it, but Nuggets live watch. Yep. Jokic hit a hit a three. Nearing it on halftime. Well, uh, we'll see how this one goes. But to finish the rest of the top 10, at number four, we've got SGA. And I know it's a guard. It's not Tyrese Halliburton. You can uh, make fun of me if you want. We'll get to Halliburton when we get to Halliburton. But SGA... The first guard, I guess first non-center as well, too, in general, off the board. First team All-NBA last year as well, too. So just in the, you know, the broader Halliburton conversation, the standing of guards, already has the pedigree as a top premier guy in the league and continues this year. Still a 30-point-a-game score. Six assists as well, almost six rebounds. So at 5.8 rebounds right now, if he could have a 30... If he could do a 36 and six, that would be insane. And last season, he was 51% from the field, became one of two and a half guards to do that in NBA history. MJ did it and Steph did it. And George, George Gervin did it as well, too. If you want to debate on, you know, what position um, a swing man, was he a guard, two guard, was he a small forward? But he was one of three guys to do that last season. And this season, his field goal percentage is even higher. He's up from 51% to 53%. And the OKC Thunder in general right now, me and Sam were texting after that Nuggets-Thunder game. I think uh, it was earlier this week or end of last week where, you know, some, you know sometimes Sam has uh, been catching like the fantastic finishes on YouTube. So after after this Nuggets Thunder game, I was like, "Oh, you've got it! You've got to watch the fantastic finish for this one." SGA last second shot, just the Thunder in general, 
it's, I think, really interesting to watch. He was like, what are you talking about? Of course I watched this one live. Jokic versus SGA. It's must-see TV. And I think it did, I, you know, the Nuggets were like maybe 75, like they, they percent, you know, they, they were not themselves, them, them, them full, their full selves in that game. But the Thunder right now, they might be like the second best threat to the Nugget, you know, the number one threat, second best team in the West to the Denver Nuggets. Because like I said, I would still have the Nuggets number one in my confidence rankings, but that game against Denver in Denver as well too. And it, you know, it, it came down to a last second shot. The Thunder played really, really well, but that's just a deep team. They have a lot of guys. Chet, maybe, maybe we'll get to him. We'll see if Chet pops up on the list, but Jalen Williams is better this year. I know the, the giddy drama definitely hangs over the team right now, but everybody on this team, like we said, has taken a step up. There is just so many guys on this team at this point. Isaiah Joe is like a legit stretch three. Like, I mean, he is what he's Sam Hauser, Isaiah Joe. It's the same exact type of threat on the court. So they had the one point loss or the one point win to the Nuggets. The Nuggets had the loss. And then the the most recent game that they played at the time of this recording was against the Clippers, who maybe were the hottest team in the West, the way they've been playing. And they beat him by 19. Shea in that game did his thing and has been leading this team. And I I was kind of, you know, we were saying this team was maybe going to be like a home court team in the offseason. You know, looking forward, could this be like a top four team in the West? But I think this might be like a legit playoff team. I, I you know, I, I, is it too early to say the Thunder can win the West? I don't know if that sounds a little too aggressive at this point. Again, with Jokic, I don't know if it's like the Mahomes thing where if it seems like anybody can win it, then it just still, whoever has the belts is still the, you know, the top guy where if the AFC is wide open, then that means Mahomes is probably going to win. But the Thunder right now do seem like they have the rotation to hang with anybody. They have the star player to hang with anybody. And the confidence that I had in Shea in that last second shot against the Nuggets, where they get the rebound, they get the, you know, they get the ball, head down the court. It's like, okay, they're not going to call the timeout. I kind of like it. I kind of like the fact that they're just going to let it play out. Shea's got the ball. They get, you know, I think it was Murray on him at that point. It's not like it's a, a size advantage for the Nuggets. And Shea just gets to his spot in the mid range, sinks the shot. There's less than a second on the clock. And it's like, of course, he's the minute he crosses half court, you're like, of course, he's going to get into the lane. He's going to get into that little, you know, right up, right on top of the free throw line. Do that little like half spin move, get that midi off and it's going to go in. And he's been automatic. The, like I said, the field goal percentage is up from last season. So Shea is number four. We're going with another guard at number five, Devin Booker, still not Halliburton, Devin Booker, who, the last four games has hit the three point shooting has taken a little bit of a dip and on the season still is, yeah, the last, uh, the last, sorry, 10 games for Booker. He has is a uh, 25% from three. I think it might've written that down wrong, but he is a, uh, I think that's the last four for Devin Booker, but he is, is, in a in a little bit of a shooting slump right now. But the playmaking for Booker this year, he's almost he's at 
two assists on the season and almost nine assists a game over that shooting slump. So he's still obviously doing things on doing productive things on the offensive end. And I know, you know, Luca, I have behind him at number six. It, it, it's, it's tough with the Luca uses thing, obviously to have Booker, I think in an, you know, just on an individual performance ranking above him, but I don't know if it's a playoff thing with Booker. I would still, I just, I, I, in my mind would still have him, you know, like 0.01% of head of Luka Doncic, especially with the playmaking up a notch and his importance to Phoenix as well too. And that, you know, Phoenix with Kevin Durant playing healthy, like Kevin Durant, when uh, Devin Booker was out, I think was three and five, but their last 10 games as a team, they are three and seven, 25th in net rating. And it's been slow starts for the team, 25th as well in fourth quarter net rating. But second quarter and third quarter net ratings, 12th and 15th. So, you know, if they're able to actually hang with the team to start a game, then maybe they turn this around and get a couple of wins. But defensively as well, too, there's some question marks. So maybe maybe just by default of Phoenix sliding, Booker has to slide down the list. But I still think he is playing just absolutely incredible this year and it's not because of him that phoenix has been struggling and up and up until this shooting you know a little bit of a shooting dip he was basically a 50 40 90 guy on the season and was like 29 and 8 and was just one of the most automatic guys in the league i mean him and shea it's when you when they're in the mid-range shooting it's almost shocking when they miss at this point they're incredibly automatic but luca like i said number six maybe you know flip a coin tomorrow and he's he's number five the last 13 games for for the Mavericks he's played 12 the last 12 games that he's played he's 35 10 and 9 again you know Devin Booker on the season is eight assists a game he's a couple assists right behind him but you know look at 35 look at 10 it's hard it's hard to have him this low I don't know if there's any other lists right now with the way he's playing in the regular season that would have him as as low as number six but I think S- I think the three centers in SGA is still a a pretty defensible top four. So maybe that's the most the first most controversial thing that we have here. But we've got Steph Curry at seven. I don't think that's any surprise. Like, you know, all NBA. It's still still no Halliburton. Four, you know, three and a half if we want to include Doncic. Four guards off the board. But, you know, Halliburton just hasn't made like an all NBA team yet. Maybe this, this, this is the year where he jumps on that list. And then going forward into other seasons, we say Halliburton has the pedigree, but he is establishing the pedigree right now. Curry is 28 points a game, 93% from the free throw line, which is his highest of his career. And I think he's getting to the line. The most of his career as well. 6.3 free throw attempts of game is the most that he's attempted for season in his career and I don't think you know the the Draymond suspension is obviously I you know it it, it seemed like that was going to be the undoing of the team but that Celtics win with the way Clay play the other night you know the Celtics had their own issues in that game but if Clay and Steph can still do their thing if Clay can if like Papa Price said if Clay can bounce back 
then the Warriors maybe, you know, it's not that can they be a title contending team, but can they get back into the play-in race? Can they get feisty? Can they make the playoffs? Can they make can they make some noise? Steph's still obviously a top 10 player in the league. And we've got Tatum at number eight, the best player on the best team in the league. He was, you know, he's been first team all NBA the last couple of years. So he's technically outside of that range right now. And, you know, with the voting this year as well, too, I think, isn't it open up to just every position? You can vote by position. And I have, I've been, you know, we've got the, we've been tracking our own little, got a little all NBA tracker that we've been doing. And there is still definitely some positions that are taken into account. I still think two guards, two wings and a big makes a lot of sense from an award standpoint and an on-court standpoint as well, too. I think if you're trying to throw the best team out there, but Tatum sliding in at number eight, it's really more just the importance of the other guys around him, which maybe we'll get to in a little bit. And, you know, we won't, we won't, cheat on Sam by talking about Tatum and his guy without him. So we won't dive into Tatum too much, but again, the, the supporting cast of the Celtics around him, like the, the way Derek white plays has been playing in the last couple of games and Jalen Brown as well, too. Well, we should maybe we'll save it. And uh, maybe it'll come up a little bit later in the, in the list, but at nine and at 10, we've got back-to-back teammates. We've got the Lakers duo. LeBron and Davis. Maybe this is like the the this is like a UFC matchup where the they swap rankings if we win. If Tatum, if LeBron beats Tatum on Christmas, maybe he bumps up to number eight. But LeBron right now is fifth in the league in value over replacement value over replacement player and thirteenth in the league in defensive box plus minus. He's been, you know, I know, I know he gets the reputation of picking his spots defensively. But when he has picked his spots this year, he has done it in, in like absolutely the right moments. He's been incredible on that end. And obviously having Anthony Davis helps. Anthony Davis is right behind him at number 10. But the, the, the fact that LeBron is even a step up this year than he was last year is just completely broken my mind. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly those kind of things that when we're in the, goat debate like i know you know the in-season tournament is cool and all that winning and you know accumulating accolades is cool but just watching him perform in b39 and watching him you know and the way he finished last year as well too game seven just doing everything he could 44 points i know you know the fourth quarter stuff for the series in general but 40 plus points in that game was it nearly a triple double if it, if it wasn't and then to just like take that as motivation and approach this season and say, Hey, I've got to do everything I can to help this team. And, you know, I know they're not in the standings where they would maybe want to be or where we would need them to be, to feel confident about them. But it's just the, this kind of, this kind of longevity stuff where it's a, it's what it was like with Brady. But by the time Brady got here, he was already the best quarterback in the league. So it was just like marveling that he was continuing to do this. Whereas LeBron, it's like, man, this is really this is really incredible. This is almost too much to put anybody above him, but almost, you never know. Again, there is obviously a debate that is had, but the top 10, like we said, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, SGA, 
Booker, Luca, Steph, Tatum, LeBron, and Davis. Number 11 is, I think, the most interesting. And, I, you know, we book a, Booker, Luca. there may be some debates already in the top 10. But number 11 is kind of like a tentative spot. A We saw what he did in one game, and we're kind of just saying that that's what he is already. And he has the pedigree as an all-NBA guy. So... 11 we're just we're putting John Morant right back at right back in the top 15 almost back in the top 10 we're putting him at 11 you know the pelicans have been good this year the pelicans are a feisty team zion is spoiler alert on this list and the grizzlies have not been and the grizzlies went in there hung with them everybody on the team just immediately looked better and i you know was I know the, the the circumstances obviously surrounding the suspension weren't ideal, but was this suspension like, were there some things that resulted from the suspension that might be a good thing? And one of them is going to, you know, obviously John Moran is like incredibly fresh right now. He's got a 25 game break on everybody else. It's kind of like Brady-esque where Brady gets a four game rest as a result of deflate gate gets to sit out. And I know John Moran's a young guy doesn't necessarily need it, but the fact that he has that head start, maybe for a guy with injury issues later in the season, maybe that's a beneficial thing. But if this team is just like competing with these teams night to night when he's back, maybe that says some stuff about where the rest of the roster, where the rest of the, you know, I don't want to say coaching staff because I think Taylor Jenkins is widely regarded as a good coach, but this team really struggle without him. And, if he's back, like, could they make the play-in? If he takes this team to the play-in, that is one. Just says something incredible about Jaw. I think it says something about the rest of the Memphis organization. But the fact that he has this team, like, immediately competent again, where this team, I mean, obviously wasn't Pistons level bad. But, I mean, it was, it was Spurs, Wizards, Grizzlies, maybe Blazers for a little bit. Like, all of these bottom-tier teams. And... Now that Jaws in the mix, they at least are going to play like a play-in team. Again, can they make up enough games to get there? But if you threw this team in the play-in tournament, regardless which Jaw, uh, I think uh, they would be a feisty team. Maybe I'm overreacting to one game. Maybe I've been listening to too much of the camera on a mace. Who knows? But John Morant goes at 11, and we'll, uh, we'll pick up the pace a little bit for the rest of the list. If if you hear something in the rankings and you disagree, comment. I think you can do the comments on the Spotify. I don't know if Apple lets you do comments on like the episode page, but I think you can comment on Spotify. Slide in the DMs. If there's something in the rankings that makes you upset, definitely shout it out and we'll talk about it. But to quickly go through the rest of the top 28, at number 10 or at number 12, sorry, we have Tyrese Halliburton. He is the best guard in the NBA, except for the four guards ahead of him. We had uh, SGA, Booker, Curry, Jaw. Finally, Tyrese Halliburton. 40% from the field, 28% from three the last six games. That's pretty much, that. that's, that's since the in-season tournament. That's every game they've played. I think they're two and four in that stretch. But, you know, for his career, he's a 48-40-85 guy. So he is an efficient shooter. It is, you know, a cold streak. It's not who he is as a player. But, John, like all of the guys, all of the guards we have above him have already been on NBA. So top 15 is, I think, 
very, I think Tyrese Halliburton is balling out if he's in the top 15. At number 13, Kawhi Leonard. And we hate to say we pick up the pace because, I mean, we did this a week ago and Kawhi Leonard was like maybe just barely inside the top 20. But the way the Clippers have been playing the last couple of weeks, it's been undeniable. He's above Kevin Durant at this point, who is number 14. And that's, you know, mostly for Kevin Durant for what this team did without Booker in that little bit of a run and what this team has done recently. And 14 is just too low for the way that Kevin Durant's been playing this year. Has a 30-point-a-game score and doing it as about as efficiently as he's ever done it. And the advanced metrics as well, too. Like, there's a stat daily daily updated ratings of individual performance that some of the analytics sites have out there. And he's been, he was number one on that for a while. And he is number two in that stat as a Friday to Jokic. But Kawhi, the last 11 games is 29 points a game. And he's in the very rare 60, 50, 90 club just for the last 11, not on the season, but 60, 50, 90 the last 11 games. And in each of those games, he's been over 50% from the field. So it's not like he had a game where he shot 47 and then, you know, came back and shot an insane percentage the other night. He's been insanely efficient the last month. The Clippers have been arguably the best team in the West. The Harden thing has been integrated. And maybe we'll talk more about that with Sam next time he's here. But Harden, the last five, 22, 10, 22 points, 10 assists, 48% from the field, 52% from the three. We didn't have Harden on the list. We'll just, we'll just shout him out now, but the Clippers have and do seem to be gelling. And, you know, I don't want to say it's, it's working because well, ultimately we'll need to see it in the playoffs, but they are playing better together. Durant, like we said at 14, De'Aaron Fox at 15, He's joined the 30-point-a-game club. He is still first in the league in fourth-quarter points per game, same as last year. And he's like a full point per game better than the number two guy, which is which is Giannis. I think that if you, if you look at the stats, I think Simons is technically number two to, uh, to Fox. But there's only like eight or nine games played for Simons. So Fox one, Giannis two in the fourth quarter points per game. Anthony Edwards at 16. Timberwolves, number one in the Western Conference right now. I know they got worked by Embiid, but that's Rudy Gobert, not Anthony Edwards. At number 17, we've got Jalen Brunson. I know, you know, technically top 15 is not like an exact all-NBA, but Brunson being right outside of the, the group, like that is how it would be. And the guard is probably going to be the hardest position to get on. I mean, maybe center too, just because of how limited it is. But the guard position is stacked this year. Brunson probably won't make it, but he's 25 points a game, basically six assists, and 45% from the three from three-point line this year. He's like not even there used to be like qualifiers when you talked about Jalen Brunson, like, oh, he's an amazing point guard. He can be a floor general. Like you had to put some kind of badge label on him to discover. Like you couldn't just say, oh yeah, Jalen Brunson is just straight up one of the most lethal players in the league. But 45% from three, I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. This guy, top 20 
nearly top 15. He's 25 points a game. The Knicks are, I think, the five seed in the Eastern Conference. So shout out to our guy, Jalen Brunson. At 18, we've got Joel Embiid's running mate. We've got the the co-star of the 76ers, Tyrese Maxey, who is third right now in fourth quarter minutes. First on the Sixers, that's with Embiid doing the 35 points a game. So, you know, Embiid, that could even be higher if he was taking over more in the fourth quarters. But Maxi, the not just the scoring too, but the overall offensive creation. And the, the fact that when Embiid is off the court, the, the Maxi-Paul Reed minutes, and I don't have any numbers in front of me on those minutes, like if that's where that duo ranks in the league at all. But... Those minutes to be able to sustain without Embiid, I think, have been incredibly clutch for him. And again, Maxi's creation in that, you know, those kind of pick and roll possessions with Reed has been insane. 19 is Jimmy Butler. And, you know, this is one of these things. Like, would we have Jimmy? Maybe maybe we're disrespecting the pedigree having Jimmy Butler behind Tyrese Maxi. If we're building a team, if we're going into a playoff series, you know, we're taking Jimmy Butler. But this is like a regular season ranking. And, you know, maybe we were naming all these guys. I don't even know if you thought about it. Maybe maybe when we mentioned Brunson, you were like, uh, where is Jimmy Butler? But, you know, going into the playoffs, we understand you want this guy on your team. And he was, for a, lar- a large stretch of the season, 40% from three for the first time in his career here. We'll double check and see if that's the case. I know the two-point, like the mid-range stuff for him dropped a little bit than it had. In the last couple of years, he's 47% from the mid-range this year, and he's been above 49% going all the way back to the the 2016-17 season where the last was the last time he would have been under that. And yeah, he has dropped yeah, the three-point shooting has gone back to Jimmy Butler level. He's 37% from the field. But hey, that's good for Jimmy Butler. 37%, you can actually respect that. You have to pay attention to it. And Taking 2.3 a game. So one, three, a half from Jimmy Butler, just in general, I, I, I like what he's doing there. And, you know, him and Bam, Bam will peek ahead a little bit. He's at 22. It's like, it, this is the hardest team to rank in just in general with anything. Cause it's like, do we even need to watch this team in the regular season? Does it even matter? Because they were in the finals last year as an eight seed. Could they just, is this just what they want to do as a team? Is, this weird, I mean, maybe they obviously they don't want to have weird regular seasons, but we don't, you know, we can't, this team cannot be trusted as a low seed team in the Eastern Conference. I guess we do have to watch the heat for Jaime Hawkins because Jaime Hawkins has been balling this year. Shout out to him. At number 20, so Jimmy Butler was 19. At number 20, this is again, kind of a, a tentative ranking because he's been in and out with injury a little bit and maybe Maybe Jamal Murray having him 20 for what he's doing this in the regular season is a little high, but you know, this is Sam's guy. I'm I'm, this is where I want to know where Sam is as Murray right now, because he definitely had him over Brunson and, you know, definitely over Halliburton, definitely over Maxi after the finals last year, definitely over Fox as well. I guess, you know, throw Anthony Edwards in that, you know, pseudo guard conversation, not really a point guard, but I, you know, Murray still being in the top 20 is incredible. And the three-point shooting this year, again, he, like Brunson, is, I think, 45, you know, 44, 45% from the three-point this year. Insanely automatic. And I would, I'm curious to see 
where Sam would have him in a top 28 player ranking. We're going to go Damian Lillard at 21. Again, the Bucks have turned things around recently. We said Bam Adebayo at 22. Zion at 23. We got Tristaps Porzingis at 24 with shout outs to Jalen Brown. And, you know, shout out to Derek White as well, too, where he's another just confusing guy because I don't, you can't make him a top 28 best player in the league. But in that Warriors game, he took like 20 shots and he was running the offense. And one of the, like, like he is as a shot maker this year, I think having his best scoring season. And it's been important for this team. He's doing the defensive stuff as well. I think win shares per 48, he's top 15 in the league, top 20. So we had, you know, at least a shout out to Derek White, if not being really close to being ranked in this list. Also, like we said, shout out to Jalen Brown as well, too, who has been insane the last handful of games. At number 25, we're just, we're just putting, we're just putting Scotty Barnes on the list. We're just, we're throwing him on a spot. We love what Scotty Barnes is doing this year. I know the Raptors have been up and down, but Scotty Barnes is sixth in the league right now in value over replacement player and eighth in the league in box plus minus, which is, you know, sometimes you get a guy that sneaks in there like Halliburton, who is up, you know, super high because the offensive side of it is, you know, insane or some guy with the defensive side is insane, but it's like a balanced two-way thing with Scotty Barnes. And the guys right now that are top 10 in, both the offense and defensive box plus minus, which is not the same as just general box plus minus, obviously, but the offensive and defensive. That list is Jokic, SGA, Embiid, LeBron, and Scotty Barnes. Those five guys. The two-way thing for Barnes has been insane. And that draft class is another thing we'll have to to discuss with Sam when he's back because the Cade, Mobley, Barnes stuff just continues to get better. Every, every year. Donovan Mitchell at 26. I guess it's technically a, a fall, a slide for Donovan Mitchell, who was, was he second team? All NBA last year, but you know he was 48% from the field, nearly 40% from three. This year, the Cavs obviously were not a step-up team like we thought they were. I think they are out of the play-in race at this moment, but with the Mobley injury, We'll see what happens. And has it has it been a fun Donovan Mitchell season as well, too? Cavs fans, slide in the DMs if you're having fun with the Donovan Mitchell season. At 27, you know, we only have room for one big white center on this list. So it's between Sengun, Sabonis, and it is between Chet. If we're deciding between those three guys, there is a case... Like all three of those guys have a strong case for this spot. Chet, even in his first season, and you know, I know it's a benefit of him playing with Shea, being in OKC and being the second player there. Like, you know, when Benyama, we can't really discuss as a top 28 player in the league. And if you just flipped Chet and Wemby, it would be a completely different story. Like the the the, the Thunder we would just like we would be like they win the title this year with Wembenyama. Even when you know, just the 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 little extra defensive stuff, a little extra rebounding, just the, the having Wembenyama would be, you know, I, I think a team would still rather have him. But the defensive, the defensive numbers and the defensive impact for Chet this season are 
off the chart. I think he's fifth right now in defensive box plus minus. He's top five, top eight player in the league. Top five, I think, in blocks per game as well, too. And his just general rim presence being in the right spots, he's got great verticality with challenging shots. And I know he's skinny, but again, the verticality, he's there. He's not afraid of anybody. You know, he's he'll he'll defend the rim against most guys. And it, it does work. And I know maybe long-term, do they need a bigger guy there? But he he does provide defensive impact, even if, again, it's not the, it's not the most perfect long-term solution. He does provide some of the best defensive impact in the league. Sangoon obviously is having an offensive explosion, but Sabonis does have the pedigree, still putting up the numbers, and Sacramento is still a top team in the league. So as of right now, we're putting Sabonis at 27, though. I really, really wanted to put Chet there because of the, I think the Thunder, and they did lose to the, they did lose to Sacramento recently, but I would still pick the Thunder to beat them in playoff series. And Chet has been phenomenal for this team. So before we wrap up with number 28, a couple of honorable mentions, you know, like we said with, with Anthony Edwards, Timberwolves, obviously number one in the Western Conference, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, probably not making the list. But Gobert, you know, the defensive impact outside of Embiid, the Fox plus minus numbers are still top of the league like they typically are for Gobert. Siakam, who was toasting the Sixers early in the fourth or the first quarter tonight in that game. Scotty Barnes obviously made the list as for, for the Raptors, but Siakam as the all-NBA guy. Brandon Ingram on the Pelicans. Mikel Bridges, I think... Finishing last season could have been a guy that was like, okay, if he continues that kind of trajectory, is he on this list? But maybe we need to see where Sam is at with his Mikel Bridges stock. I'm definitely we're definitely not selling it, but we'll see what he thinks. Desmond Bain, the numbers were good for him, but the Grizzlies, obviously, the winning wasn't there. Markinen offensively has is is continuing to climb up some of the advanced stats boards. He's been getting better all season and was in the All-NBA conversation last year, made the All-Star team. Yeah, it wasn't Utah. Maybe that affected it. So definitely has to be an honorable mention. And the the Magic as well, too, are an interesting team for this discussion because I wonder where, you know, in ranking these guys, where we would get first Magic player. And if we just get like three or four of them in a row, if it's just, you know, Palo Suggs or Palo Franz and Suggs back to back to back. And then you get like Anthony Black a little bit way down the list or, you know, whatever. But Palo and Franz just, it's like, okay, we got to mention them as honorable mentions because Magic are overachieving. They're having a great season. I think, you know, outside of those top three teams in the East, there could be a lot of shuffling between the other teams. And if Palo just continues to get better, the, you know, the, the Magic upside, we'll see how feisty they could be in the playoffs. But they definitely, the guys have to be mentioned in this list, even though if they're technically not going to make it. So number 28, Trey Young. Okay, to wrap up with the picks before we send you into the holiday weekend. The, the week 16, the week 16 NFL picks draft brought to you by, oh, no, wait. No, 
Yep. Brought to you by no one. I thought I saw something written on the sponsor board, but I think it's just the lunch order from earlier. So not this week. It's nobody sponsoring the picks, but that does mean it's open. If they're, uh, if somebody wants to negotiate in the new year, 2024 will be the year for negotiations. We're doing deals in 2024. And by the way, the nuggets nets, Still, still, Nets still hanging in there. Tied nearing the end of the third quarter. Three minutes left. Jokic driving to the lane puts the Nuggets up by two. So, like we said, you know, the regular season, it's 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 a grind. It's 82 games and winning the title, winning the title, and winning it multiple times is challenging for a reason. But they're still, if you know, if they win this, our takes still look good. So the picks draft for. Week 16. I think I had the first pick this week. Or no, sorry, Sam had the first pick this week. I had the first pick last week. And he's going with, here, let me get the list pulled up. He's got Dolphins over the Cowboys. I think I agree with him on this one as well, too. Tyreek Hill, obviously, uh, dealing with some health stuff last week. And I think he's on track to play. So those wide receivers versus the Dallas corners is going to be a fun matchup, really putting Bland and Gilmore to the test. And the Cowboys offense in the league right now, second in points per game, is going to be a test for where this Dolphins defense is at because the last eight games, they've only allowed 15 points per game, a 60% completion percentage, and a 69 passer rating. 10 interceptions for the Dolphins defense as well in the last eight games. But... That's been against Mac Jones, Aiden O'Connell, Zach Wilson, Sam Howell, Will Levis. You know, I Zach Wilson, the Jets, so they played the Jets twice. But there was also that Pat Mahomes game in there as well against the Chiefs. You know, Mahomes had an amazing first half, but the second half was tough. Dolphins definitely stepped up. And outside of that, again, against some pre, you know, against maybe the, you know, the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the NFL offenses right now. But they've still been able to produce. And, Jalen Ramsey, they've had him back. And the numbers on Jalen Ramsey have been fantastic. I think he's the number one cornerback in the league in terms of passer rating allowed when targeted, at least the uh, pro football reference here. Let's check the PFF rating on Jalen Ramsey and see where they have him for corners in the league. Because I know they still have Bland one or, you know, Bland in the the top tier of guys. But I can't imagine Jalen Ramsey with those numbers is not too far behind him. They have him. Okay. So they have him at a 76.8, but the passer rating when targeted is good anyway. So the, some you know, some parts of the Jalen Ramsey experience have been working and this Dallas offense will be a good test for that Dolphins defense, but Cowboys over the Dolphins for Sam's first pick. I have I have Ravens over Niners written down, and I'm not exactly sure why. Because, I mean, there is a chance like this game could just be the are the George are are the Niners the Georgia of the NFL game because they've already just you know they they wiped the field with the with the Eagles, they killed the Cowboys, and if they beat the Ravens and especially if they do it convincingly, it's like okay, this team is just by far the most talented team in the league and. 
again, just looking, I mean, you could already say that just looking at the personnel. And the I was actually looking at the, the teams with the most pro bowlers in a season is 13. The 07 Cowboys and the 2019 Ravens both had 13 pro bowls, pro bowlers. And there is a world where this Niners team could get to 14 if you go through the guys. And they even have a couple of more just hanging around as well, too. I mean, Purdy is definitely going to get in. CMC, Debo, Kittle, Trent Williams, Feliciano, the guard, probably going to get in. check going to get in for the fullbacks. You could definitely make a case that, you know, NFC wide receivers, I know it's going to be stacked, but maybe do we see Ayuk? And it's not even just making that initial Pro Bowl as well, too. You get a slide in a couple... There's injury replacements. Some guys end up in the Super Bowl, deep playoff runs. Ayuk could find his way into the Pro Bowl. That's just on offense. You know, Bosa, Fred Warner, Javon Hargrave, those almost seem like locks on defense. And Javarius Ward as well, too. I bet he gets in. That, that You could, Drake Greenlaw, I mean, he is one of the best linebackers in the league. So he definitely has a case. You just might as well put both of them in. And Hufunga is out. If Hufunga was healthy, like that's another pro bowler. Does Jake Moody, the kicker, make the pro bowl? Like Chase Young has pro bowl upside or at least did at one point in his career. So, I mean, do they end up with like 16 pro bowlers in a, in a, in a, you know, alternate timeline where everybody's healthy, everybody's at the peak of their powers? You know, this, they're, they're number one in DVOA right now. The offense, number one overall. Defense, number four. But, in terms of an opponent, a statistical opponent, the Ravens are about as good of a matchup as they could get. The Ravens are second overall in DVOA, fourth in offense, second in defense, and points per game as well, too, both ways. The Niners' offense is third, the defense second, and the Ravens' offense is fourth, and their defense is first in points per game. So... Definitely a powerhouse matchup. But, you know, I've said it on here before. I definitely am like a playoff superstitious rematch type of guy. So if if the internet's right and the Super Bowl graphic colors are already telling us that the Super Bowl is going to be Ravens Niners, I would pick the Niners in that game. But I would have a harder time doing it if they beat them in the regular season. So I'm going to pick the Ravens over the Niners. It's in San Francisco as well, too. No, I think we got, I think you got to pick the Niners in this one. I think it's close. I think you can go back and forth and I think you could definitely bet the Ravens spread, but I think you got to pick the Niners in this one at home, even if it's a, it's a close grinded out type game. So Niners over Ravens for my first pick. Sam is going to go with a, an important divisional matchup technically for his second pick lions over the Vikings Vikings hanging around in the playoff mix. I think there is still a way that they could even win the division as well too. And I know, you know, backup quarterback, Nick Mullins, you think that the lions had this one in the bag, but you never know divisional matchup. And again, it isn't, isn't an important game, but I do think the lions had this one in the bag. So Sam is going to take them. With his second pick, I'm going with the home. I'm going with the home team, taking the Colts over the Falcons. Shane Steichen 
versus Arthur Smith. This is a tough one. It's in Atlanta. I think Atlanta is like a one point favor right now. So the books do think that Indy is a little bit better, but it's a, it's a, it's a tough matchup. The lines for both, you know, both sides of the line for Atlanta are good. It's going to be a uh, feisty for Garner Minshew. Like it, it, is, is Jesse Bates. If he picks off Garner Minshew two or three times, would anybody be totally shocked? But I do have the Colts in this one. Sam is going Chiefs over Raiders. I guess he's also going home team with his next pick. And this is a Christmas Day game. I believe this is the first Christmas Day game. This is uh, the the Ravens Niners is also a Christmas Day game as well, too. The league just does not care that the NBA typically owns Christmas. You know, the, the NFL, they have Thanksgiving. I think it's pretty well known, you know, slip the Macy's Day Parade and the the dog show in there. But the NFL dominates Thanksgiving. And they've been nice enough to have to let the NBA have the the Christmas slot and just say, hey, that's your day. That's kind of the day where the national media begins to pay attention. The national audience, I should say, begins to pay attention. College is over. The NFL regular season is starting to wind down. Christmas is the introduction to the NBA season. But they said, hey, no, it's Monday. We're doing Monday night football like normal, but oh yeah, we're doing the LeBron deluxe. Here's two more for y'all. We're doing Raiders Chiefs early morning and we're doing another game that we're going to pick in that three, you know, that, that mid slot as well too. So a full slate of games for the NFL on Christmas day is just a couple, just two big fat Tom Cruise middle fingers from Tropic Thunder to the NBA. And I, I you know, the the thing is, it is the NFL. I think Ben letting the NBA have that slot because well, we'll see what the ratings look like and what uh, what happens. But I think we've seen NFL ratings or NBA ratings up against NFL ratings before. But Sam is taking Chiefs over Raiders. I'm gonna tell. Well, I guess I'm gonna take the other one right now. I'm taking Eagles over Giants. I'm taking that mid slot Christmas Day game. I'm taking. Dom, big Dom against Tommy DeVito's agent. Are the, are both of these guys going to be on the sideline at some point in this game? Hall of, Italian Hall of Fame inductee, Sean P. Stiletto, Tommy DeVito's agent. Shout out. I don't know if Tommy DeVito's enough to take down this Eagles team, though. Even with the question marks that have arised. In there, there's going to be a ton more that arise. I would say even a full-on panic for Eagles fans if they go down to the Giants this week. So let's cross our fingers and hope that doesn't happen just for the just for my sake in the picks draft. This one I feel like is a feisty one from Sam for his next one. Right? Do we have to throw a pause after that? He's taken Steelers over Bengals. And Jake Browning has kind of been on a tear. And I, I think I would go Bengals over Steelers in this one. But Tomlin, the defense, I think maybe Sam thinks that the Browning thing finally cools off. And they did beat Browning a couple of weeks ago. So it's not like it's impossible. But I don't know. Is it just Zach Taylor's system? Is it the Bengals' skill guys? Jamar Chase wasn't even in the second half of that game last week, though, for Browning. And they still were able to pull out a win. So maybe maybe there's definitely a case where it's like, there, or there's definitely a world where Browning is a starting level QB. But maybe Zach Taylor is good at 
developing quarterbacks. Who knows? Regardless, Sam thinks he's going to be short, coming up short this week against Mike Tomlin. Steelers over Bengals. I'm going Bills over Chargers. Is this is this a layup pick? Is this an easy one? I know there's no Herbert, no Staley anymore, so it's going to be, we'll see if the Chargers still have the same kind of, not that they would win this game, but could, you know, would they be feisty in this game? Just be a pain if you're trying to bet or pick this game against a Bills team that's, you know, trying to really fight for their lives and they can win their, they're like trying to win their division, but also still barely make the playoffs at the same time. There's a couple of teams in that spot right now where Atlanta's the same way playing the Colts this week. They're like, drafting in the top 10, but they're also one game back from winning the division and could just be in the playoffs. So maybe, uh, maybe the Chargers are feisty this week, but I think the bills were able to stay on top. Josh Allen hasn't even played well the last couple of weeks, you know, for Josh Allen and the James cook thing has been enough to get it done. So let's say that continues against the Chargers. Sam is going Jags over Bucks. I think Trevor Lawrence has the nod at this point to play, or at least he's questionable officially on the injury report for the Jags against the Buccaneers. He was in concussion protocol, already dealing with an ankle thing as well, too. Had the high ankle sprain from a couple of weeks ago. It's not enough, though, to uh, consider Sam from picking against him against Tampa Bay this week. So he's going Jags over Bucks. I am taking Packers over Panthers. I really wanted to pick the Panthers last week. I'm kind of bummed that Sam was able to take them because I was waiting all year. They're they're in a divisional stretch. I think they had three divisional opponents in a row. Atlanta, they had them at home. Desmond Ritter, Atlanta's been struggling. And it's like, okay, they're going to win a game this year. They're definitely going to win that one. And maybe they steal like the Chicago game or the Houston game as well, and they stole that Houston game. And that's the case to get to two wins. So I know that's like a disaster season, and the Bryce Young thing and the Carolina thing has not gone well. But I needed the points in the picks draft, and Sam stole them last week. And unfortunately, I was out of luck. But I don't think in Lambeau they're going to get it done against Jordan Love. I think the Packers are able to stay... In the, in the mix, in the playoff mix with this win against the Panthers, I think this would definitely help him out. Sam is taking the Bears over the Cardinals. Justin Fields, Bears, this this would be a, this would be the battle for the number one overall pick, but it's because the Bears have that Panthers pick, not because of the Bears pick. They're definitely, I mean, they're not like super far out of it, but at five wins, they're not going to get the number one pick if they were just drafting on their own. So... The Fields thing was not good last week against the Browns defense, but they're the best in the league. And outside of that, it's been interesting the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if he rebounds against Arizona. We'll see if Kyler Murray is able to get going as well, too, against this Bears defense. Sam thinks otherwise. For my... Is this my last pick? Or do I have a... I have one more. I may have gone out of order. Sam is Sam is always here to keep track. That's why that's why he's here. For the one of many reasons why Sam is on the pod. I don't know. I think I think we'll have the the correct number by the end of it. So, I'm just going to 
Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see. I, okay. I just give it a second and, uh, we figured it out. So for my next one, I'm going Titans over Seahawks. I know they just beat the Eagles. I know Drew Locke looked good. I think maybe they're riding a little too high this week. Will Levis, he's looked kind of viable as a long-term, definitely could hang around as a starter in the NFL. And watching Will Levis just take big shots after shots and not get hurt, and Anthony Richardson just goes down on the first one, has definitely been a bummer. So let me double-check and see if he's healthy because questionable, limited practice today, out for Thursday's practice, limited today. So. An injured Will Levis, not ideal. But in theory, I like it. And you know, the, the Derrick Henry, can we get a can we get one last sort of decent Derrick Henry game for the road against the Seattle defense? Maybe the Seattle run defense has not been the worst thing in the world this year. So we'll see. Sam has taken the Browns defense over the Texans. He does not believe in Case Keenum. Case Keenum to throw an interception is minus one. 70 something, but Case Keenum, zero, zero pass touchdowns in this game, plus 172 against the best defense in the league. Feels like automatic money and maybe automatic points for Sam with his final pick. And for my final pick, I'm going Broncos over the Patriots. I think the Broncos get back on track this week. It was not good in Detroit last week, but I think they get it done. I think New England really wants Drake May. I don't think they want to risk it. So Sean Payton, let's get a free win. And the Nuggets are trying to get back on track as well, too, against the Nets. I think the Nuggets were down by one last time it went to timeout. We'll see. They're running the they're running the Nick Claxton highlight package right now, returning from the break. So we'll see what the score is here in, in a second. But that should do it for the Week 16 Picks Draft. That should do it for this week's episode. Go enjoy your guys' holiday. Spend time with family. Watch football. Watch basketball. Like we said, you're going to have options this year on Christmas and throughout the weekend. Bowl games as well, too. NFL, NBA, throughout the weekend. Lots of good food. It's going to be a good time. Merry Christmas. Happy, uh, Happy holidays. And if you haven't already, you know, tell a friend. Give us five stars if you haven't thought about it. I know this is not the last episode we're going to do of the year, but thanks everybody for listening. It's been a great year and we look forward to 2024. And like we we will do an episode next week. I'm not sure what the schedule will be. We'll see if there's two. It might be just one. You know, we're in a double holiday, Christmas, New Year's. So we're not trying to overwork IT. They've been good to us this year. So we, we, you know, we're going to let them have the holiday, but there will be at least one episode next week. Be on the lookout for that. I'm not going to say, you know, follow, but that would be the easiest way to know when the episode dropped. And I think it's going to be, you know, the end of the year. I think uh, 2023 recap. I think you're going to want to stay tuned for what potentially could be on the horizon. But that's it for this week. Be on the lookout for what comes next. Follow us on socials at Rim and Sam. Five stars. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays.